Just keep receiving. I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 2. I've got no idea what just happened in my ears then, but you might have heard it as well. Uh, I'm not a robot. <laughs> I'm not an iPhone. <laughs> I might have touched a button, but not even sure. <laughs> Mark 2, verses 1 to 12. And again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed in which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them, them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. We're carrying on our series of healing and wholeness, and today the title is Forgiveness and Deliverance. And I just want to say two things by way of uh, introducing this. Um, the first is that most of what I'll be speaking about is on forgiveness. In fact, nearly all of what I'll be speaking about is on forgiveness. And that's not to say deliverance is not important. Absolutely, it is. Being delivered from the demonic, from the powers of evil, is really important. It's really important to a life of health and wholeness. It's really important that we learn to appropriate the power that Jesus has given us to deal with these things, to cast them from our lives. And it's such a massive subject area that I've kind of decided to split this in two, and then I'll be tackling deliverance in about three weeks' time, okay? So I want to focus on healing today, um, on forgiveness today. And the second thing to say is that this message is for each one of us. So I want to encourage each one of us to stay tuned into the Holy Spirit and let him speak. I know sometimes we feel like a few weeks ago I was speaking on miracles and medicine and maybe some of us not taking any medicine and think, well, that doesn't actually apply to us or whatever it is. This applies to you and me. I really believe this is a word for us. There's only ever been one person who's ever lived a life on earth, earth in holiness, righteousness, sinlessness, and perfection in every way, and his name is Jesus. As the writer to Hebrews tells us, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, everyone else who's ever lived you and me, 
and everyone who will ever live, all of humanity, comes under the category of fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And the fallenness is the pit of sinfulness and death. And the only way out is for us to be rescued by Jesus, who sacrificed everything for us and suffered on the cross that all those who believe in him would not perish, but would be forgiven and delivered and saved, so-so, made whole. And that's why I'm so excited this, this coming weekend. We've got David and Christine West coming to lead us in a so-so weekend, and they'll be speaking uh, next Sunday as well. But you see, in a nutshell, this is the gospel we have. And this is the gospel we have to proclaim, to share to all nations. And the key to it is forgiveness and deliverance being set free. And the thing is, I know, I'm sure, we know this. We know this. We know this. But actually, I want to take time for us to really know this. Deep within us. And if we gain any revelation from God's word when he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed his sins from us, it's an understanding there is always more for us to know and to receive when it comes to forgiveness and walking in freedom. And I want to use this story in Mark chapter 2, especially verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And for us to take time to have our hearts and minds renewed in this moment, restored, healed, to the power of forgiveness that we have in Jesus and in the love of the Father. I love the way that Heather was saying, just the way he wants to wrap his arms around us. I believe that he wants to do that in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So you're going to join me this morning? Carlis, anyone else? You're going to join me? Because this is for me and it's for you as we look at forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Well, forgiveness literally means to give before or give ahead of. In the sense of ceasing to feel resentment against an offender, granting relief from a payment, pardoning an offence without exacting a penalty, that's all the dictionary definition. What I want to say, give a gift. A gift of forgiveness. And it's in relation to sins and sinfulness, which is the falling short of the glory of God and the separation that inherently exists between a holy God and our unholiness. And in the Bible, sin is described as a transgression against the law of God, 1 John 3, and rebellion against God, Deuteronomy 9, 7. And theologically, there are three types of sin. Inherited sin, imputed sin, personal sin. You don't have to remember any of this, just it's sin. Inherited sin, that's the fall and our sinful nature. Imputed sin, that's the violation of God's law. Personal sin, well, we kind of know what that is. It happens every day. And the point is, as we see in Scripture, there's a penalty for all and every sin. And that penalty is ultimately death, Romans 6, 23. And yet, by the grace of God, as we've sung this morning, there's a propitiation for our sins, there's an appeasement, there's an atonement in Jesus dying on the cross in our place. Why? So that we can be forgiven and set free. And herein lies the key. For us to know a life of freedom, 
And actually, when we look around what's going on in the world, at the end of the day, people want to be free. But for us to know what freedom really is, we have to be forgiven. We have to receive by faith God's forgiveness in our hearts for the sins that we've committed in order for us to live a life of freedom in Christ. Essentially, forgiveness goes before freedom. But it doesn't stop there. Because the power of forgiveness is not only in what we receive from God in order to be free, it is also in what we give to God and to ourselves and to those around us in order for us to be forgiven. Jesus taught his disciples to pray and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who has sinned against us. And then he goes on to say, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'll look at that in three weeks' time. See, it's not just in what we receive from God, but it's in what we give to him. In fact, Jesus says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Wow. See, this is non-negotiable. There's not like a little clause, oh, I know you've had a really difficult time and God's going to make an exception. It's non-negotiable. It's a biblical principle that declares in an uncompromising way, we have to be, we have to forgive if we wish to be forgiven. And it has to come from the heart, Matthew 18, verse 35. And when we do not forgive those who've caused us harm and hurt, or we do not forgive ourselves, then all too often there is a block and an obstacle to our healing, to our wholeness, to a life of freedom. Please hear me. The caveat is this. It's really important that we balance the truth that sickness and disease is not necessarily caused by our sin or another. Read John 9 and you'll see how Jesus addresses that truth. But forgiveness and forgiving is an essential key to a life of health and wholeness, as we see in this story. And I want us to look at this story, and, and if you like, briefly journey through it as if we're hearing it for the first time. I mean, just uh, kind of a quick straw poll. Uh, Mark 2, how many people know the story about the par paralytic? Yeah, hands up. Who's heard it for the very first time? Wonderful. We need to be like Damien. We need to hear this story for the first time. By the way, the first time I preached, I preached about the paralytic. And I couldn't work out why everyone found it funny. Um, I just want to say this is nothing to do with alcohol. Okay. It begins... <laughs> Literally, there were giggles all around every time I mentioned the paralytic. I'm thinking, yeah, I don't remember cracking a joke, but uh, I'm sure it's funny. Yeah, and as Heather encourages me, my jokes are not even funny. Now, that's where you say, yes, they are. Tell us some more, but another time. So listen to the story. Take the story in as if you're hearing it for the first time. And it begins with four friends carrying a paralytic man to Jesus. You see, on his own, this man would not have been able to get to Jesus. 
Just let that sink in for a moment. See, I know in my own life how I've needed someone to carry me to Jesus. When I was 18 years old, God used an ex-convict high up in the Untersberg Mountains and a car crash to carry me to Jesus to receive his forgiveness, to deal and to deliver me from the lie that I thought there is a God and I know he's a God of love, but he loves everyone but me. He used an ex-convict to carry me to Jesus. And since then, I've been carried and supported and held by many wonderful friends who have helped lower me to Jesus' feet. And right now, I know I'm being that friend to many. Some whose deep feelings of guilt and shame and regret and rejection and unforgiveness has literally paralyzed their ability to walk to Jesus. Never mind rest in his presence. We all need friends like that. But we all need to be friends who carry each other to Jesus. And it can be hard work. In the case of this story, we, we don't know how long the journey was. It may have been a few hundred yards. It may have been a few miles. It may have been a long distance. You know, I know for some of the friends I'm supporting and carrying, I can't even see Capernaum for them. Never mind the house where Jesus is staying. And yet I know, just as those who've supported me over the years knew, the need to hold on and to keep carrying them to where Jesus can minister to them. And if you're doing that right now for someone, be encouraged, keep going. They don't need you to give up on them, even if they've given up on themselves. They need you to keep carrying them on the road that leads to Jesus. And it's hard work. It takes endurance, it takes commitment. And even when you feel like you're getting close to the house, as these four friends discovered, there still can be obstacles to overcome, roofs, walls, crowds, noise. But don't give up. Don't give up. And we read in verse 4, And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. I think Jesus loves it when we make holes for him. When we create space to encounter him. See, his teaching was never uninterruptible. His work was never too important to stop for the one. In fact, as we look in the Gospels, those holes in the roof moments would bring out his uh, compassion, even in the midst of opposition. The woman about to be stoned in John 8. Zacchaeus up the tree in Luke 19. And here the paralytic being lowered through the roof to his feet. And what are the holes we need to make today? Well, I don't think high ceilings are the issue. Please don't make a hole in this roof. <laughs> Unless God tells you to. I think the holes we need to make are the things, the holes in the things that crowd Jesus out from those who need to draw near to him. 
And the crowding can happen in multiple ways, including actually what we do here in church. And how accessible we allow those on the outside to know Jesus on the inside. You know, if someone feels they don't belong, and I've, I've seen this many times, you know, a wall has gone up and they need a friend to come and make a hole in the wall for them. If someone feels that they're, they're not good enough for God, and I've heard this many times and I've known this myself, you see, a roof separates them from discovering the truth about who they are in Christ, knowing their identity as a loved child of God, and they need a friend to come and make a hole in the roof for them. You see, our families around us, our friends, our neighbors, our community, our island, our nation, the world, is crying out for help. It's crying out for friends that will carry and make holes and then lower these precious lives to Jesus. And when we lower them to Jesus, don't be surprised by what he says to them. You know, here in this story, the easiest thing for Jesus to say to this man would have been, arise, take up your mat and walk. See, physical healing was not an issue for Jesus. What was harder? And Jesus discovered this, especially with the religious leaders of his day, was the issue of the heart which makes his first words to this man so moving and significant. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Why? What was going on? A man clearly immobile, and Jesus tells him his sins are forgiven. I mean, it's shocking. And actually, I think the only conclusion we can draw, but it's the right one, I believe, is that Jesus knew this man's heart just as he knows ours. He could see that this man was either full of unforgiveness, anger and bitterness for the things others had done to him. Maybe he was dropped as a child and he suffered this condition as a result of carelessness or abandonment. Or he was full of unforgiveness and bitterness towards himself. Or both, probably both. But Jesus knew, just as he knows with us, Jesus knew that more than anything else that this man needed, including physical healing, this man needed first and foremost to know the Father's forgiveness and love. And in a beautiful way, despite the crowd around him, just picture this in his mind, your minds. Jesus draws near to this man who's been lowered through the roof and he releases forgiveness into his heart, son, your sins are forgiven you. Son, you're not a stranger. You're not a stranger to God. You've not been forgotten. Your sins, I, I know what has been going on. And God's gift to you is forgiveness. And this man receives the most precious gift of forgiveness in his heart. And then in verse 6, we, we read of how some of the scribes 
You know, those that had the front seats in the house were reasoning in their minds what they'd just witnessed. How easy it is for us to fall into judgment when God is on the move. See, my sense is, as I, I think and reflect about these moments, in the briefest of pauses, as the scribes were overcome by the blasphemy they heard, this man was immediately overcome by the love that he felt. You know those moments when God touches us? When we know we're forgiven in our hearts? It's like that joy and that peace it rises up and often the tears start to flow. And his love comes and is, fills us and I believe he's doing that with a number of us right now. Just filling us with his love. So this man knew he was forgiven. And I, my sense is he was already forgiving himself and others. As he received, he gave. And I don't know what the timing of the physical healing was. Whether it actually happened at the point of which he forgave. Or whether it came with the words of Jesus. But one thing is clear. The power of forgiveness set this man free. And it does the same with us. We all need the Father's forgiveness in our lives, day by day. I mean, as in the prodigal son, we need that robe of forgiveness being wrapped around us. And the ring of inheritance being placed on our finger you know, this is married ring. This is my inheritance ring. A moment of ministry that uh, Heather gave to me, reminding me I am a son of my heavenly dad. And we all need that. And actually, as I was thinking about the prodigal son, we often think about it as if it was a one-off event. Like the son took everything and he went off and he wasted his life and he came to his senses and he came back into the father's embrace. Actually, the more I think about it, I think the more I think it is a daily thing because so often we turn from God and when we do, we need to come to our senses and come back and know his forgiveness and know who we are, our true identity. This is God's gift to us. But there's more. As we receive this gift, we, we have to forgive ourselves and others for the power of forgiveness to flow. And so when we forgive others and ourselves, we have the power to move forward in life. But when we don't forgive, we become emotionally and physically and spiritually stuck. When we forgive others and ourselves, we have the power to release ourselves from those who have offended us or mistreated us or abused us or betrayed us. But when we don't, we're captive to all of those emotions, the pain and the power that those who have harmed us have over us. When we forgive, we have the power to be healed, but also to heal, to release gift of healing to those around us. But when we don't, we continue in this cycle of hurting and being hurt. When we forgive others and ourselves, we have the power to show mercy and to receive mercy in all that we do. But when we don't, we stay in that place of judgment, entitlement. When we forgive ourselves and others, 
We appropriate the power of God's love and presence to fill and surround us because we're walking in obedience. God commands us to do this. But when we don't, we open the door to the powers of darkness and we just find ourselves outside of the blessings that God has for us. This is as real as the air that we're breathing right now. And if we really want health and healing, the key to this, or certainly one of them, is forgiveness. Both received and given. You know, when it comes to unforgiveness, the only person unforgiveness hurts is ourselves. And it leads often to bitterness, as the Bible says, which rots the bones. Or as one preacher put it, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And of course, giving a gift of forgiveness does not condone what others have done to us. Or even what we've done to ourselves. But it has the lasting power to break those all-consuming cycles of hurt and anger and bitterness and resentment and hatred and all of those things. And it opens the way for us to know God's freedom and his love. You see, as this man received God's forgiveness, and I believe he also gave it as well, he was healed on the inside. He was healed on the outside. And in the presence of everyone, he was able to walk out of the house that he was lowered into, healed and made whole. And not surprising, the people said, we never saw anything like this. They wouldn't, unless the power of forgiveness works and moves. This is what happens when we forgive. I know there's so much more to say, but I, I want us all to respond to this. And we're going to have a moment when I'm going to lead us in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to check your hearts if there is anything in your heart towards another person or even towards yourself that you've not given that gift of forgiveness. Don't allow unforgiveness to take residence in your heart. It is painful. It doesn't justify ever what people have done. And if you heard uh, Heather's testimony a few weeks ago, it's only by forgiveness and allowing God to bring healing that she's able to you know, love and be loved by a man, by me, and by so many. You know, that is the power of God's forgiveness. And many of you have similar testimonies. But you see, we can easily fall back into the things when people hurt us and cause harm. And for each of us, it's different. There's a depth which only Jesus knows. But I want to lead us in a prayer. For me as well as you. If the tears flow, let them flow. If they don't, don't worry about it. But let God deal with your heart. As you receive his forgiveness afresh. Give a gift of forgiveness to those the Holy Spirit is just speaking to you right now that you need to forgive.
could be family members, it could be friends, it could be colleagues. It could be a stranger that you don't even know that's caused harm. It could be a circumstance and situation. You know, God knows. Give it to him. And then we're going to do that. And then um, I'm going to ask Heather just to share a, a very brief testimony. And then I'm going to pray for us to be friends who carry and friends who make whole. So just for this, stay seated where you are. You know, just allow, if you like, to know the safety of the protection of the Holy Spirit around you. The arms of love of the Heavenly Dad wrapped around you right now. As we come before him and know his forgiveness and offer that gift as well. So come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome. Father God, we thank you that you love us so much that Jesus came into the world to forgive us, to set us free. And we come before you now. And I just want to encourage you to say these words Almost like whisper them out yourselves. So this is not me praying over you, but this is you praying for yourself. So if you say after me, Father God, I ask for your forgiveness for each and every way I have turned against you, turned away from you, rebelled in my heart, and violated your ways. For everything known and unknown, I led at the foot of the cross. And I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me to bear my iniquity that I can be free. I choose right now to receive your gift of forgiveness in my heart. Just take a moment, just let him come. And then pray this with me. Jesus, I thank you that you know how hard it is to suffer pain. And so I come to you and I give a gift of forgiveness to all those who've hurt and harmed me. And I lay any unforgiveness at the foot of the cross and I give it to you. And then in your own words, just say, I choose to forgive and just mention these people to the Father.
Lord Jesus, I give these people to you. I give them a gift of forgiveness. They owe me nothing. I break the hook and the power that they've had over me. And I release that to you right now. And I thank you for your gift of forgiveness. Your cleansing. Your presence with me. And I choose to walk in freedom. In Jesus' name.